children. We're off to your distant uncle's empty old house because of the bombing in London. Oh, that sounds fun, Mother. Will Father be joining us, Mother? Just as soon as they perfected a resurrection technique. What do you mean? I I mean, yes, of course he will. Oh, look, here we are. (laughs) Isn't there anyone at home? Yes, me! There's absolutely no reason to be anything other than suspicious of me. But come on, look at this whizzy stuff I put in around the house. Wow! Who are you? What are you trying to do? I know what's happening. I know this needs to be a special Christmas for them. And it's a universal truth that whizzy things and hammocks are what impresses children, right? Oh, look, a box. I wonder what's inside. Where have you gone? He went in there. Looks fun, doesn't it? Let's go and find him. Where have my children gone? That giant present wasn't open earlier. They must have climbed in. I'll go and look for them then. Your brother must have gone into this tower and somehow not noticed the giant wooden man sitting in front of him. What does it do? Nothing yet, but give it 15 minutes of filler plot and it will deliver some salient points about deforestation and the horrible effects pollution can have on the environment. Halt! Who are you? I'm a criminally underused celebrity guest star. You need to leave here before the acid rains come. Fair enough. I'll just use your abandoned Star Wars cast-off vehicle to rescue my children. We need a woman to save us. A mother's bond to her children is stronger than anything else in the known universe. Ooh, complimentary and patronising. I'll do it. We are saved. Do we get to see Father now? You promised we would. Well, children, I'm afraid not. Your father was killed in action flying home from another tough mission to bomb some Nazis. Whatever, kids. I'm home, isn't it? Reg, what are you doing here? We were, like, flying home over the channel or some stuff like that, and I thought, oh my god, we're going to crash in that, and I'm, like, not even lying or anything. What did you do? Well, then I saw your face or whatever in front of me, so I followed it home just like I used to, isn't it, though? So I saved my husband, my children, and millions of trees? Standard. That's right. Proper little miracle worker you are. Won't you stay for Christmas lunch? Ah, no. Don't do that anymore, thanks. Have a look at this, though. Hello, moron. Rory! Oh, you're still alive, then. Happy crying, everyone! Jingle, 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 Ho 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 Christmas pudding Hi everyone, this is the Oodcast, Series 4, Episode 8. I am Andy, welcoming you to the Ood Attic. And right opposite me, at the minute he's giggling because he's like that. He's a cheerful chappy. His name is Chris Alpha. Hello, I'm marvelling at your 
Very enthusiastic self-introduction. <laughs> and opposite to me, right a bit, with her microphone on a chest of drawers type thingy that swivels round. It actually is meant to contain DVDs. I'm wittering. I'm so sorry. Let's introduce Laura. I've got some Quantreau in a glass. And with his back to me is Chris Sigma. Hello. Hello. And welcome to the, me speaking the sentence. <laughs> What we like to do, right, in this episode is review The Widow, The Doctor and The Wardrobe. The Doctor, the, the Widow, widow and, and The Wardrobe. wardrobe. Is it that way around? Yeah, yeah. Okay. but a good try. Yes, the Christmas special. The Christmas special, in fact. Do we all feel Christmassy? No. Very jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some jingle bells. Can I get them? Yes. Yeah, but be quick, because the viewers might find it a bit boring otherwise. <laughs> what, what should we talk about while she goes um, and gets them? How how was your respective Christmases, folks? Mine was all right. Yeah. Very nice. I got a lot of Christmas things. No, Doctor Who things. That's right. <laughs> the same thing, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. Oh, here she comes. Hey! Oh, I'm feeling very Christmassy now. Oh, well, I remember that. I will now wear this upon my head. It's time for the Udcast News! Udcast News. Welcome to the Ucast News. Our sensors are detecting a huge amount of fact. No, wait a minute. It's a woolly jumper. No, no, it is news. News! Filmmaker George Lucas has reportedly been considering suing the BBC design department over the Androzani walking craft thingy's resemblance to the Atat first seen in the Star Wars movies. He was advised not to, however on the basis that the X-Wing fighters featured in the same films are very similar to most space fighters featured in 1960s Doctor Who, and Jar Jar Binks is basically a more poorly conceived walking murka. In an attempt to keep up with runaway sales of the Trouser Blast 3000, Vauxhall have recently released the Vauxhall Wobblebint, which runs on hot baths, mugs of cocoa and stereotypes. High street retailers, keen to profit on the back of the BBC's Christmas schedules, have been criticised as sales of hammocks go through the roof, and most consumers hit the floor soon after purchase. News from Androzani Major now. Weapons inspectors have confirmed a major threat to the planet's security emanating from Earth. Reports published today suggest the Earth's northern hemisphere holds a massive stockpile of WMDs. Woolen products of mass destruction are our security services' main priority, say the government. The BBC are sad to announce that Charlie Dimmock and Alan Titchmarsh have both met their demise in a freak aeronautic versus arboretum incident. And finally, mums are good, aren't they? Real good. That was the Ucast News. Ucast News. I've seen the Christmas special three times now. Oh, is this a competition? I've seen it twice. You win. <laughs> yep, I've only seen it twice. Yeah, yeah, no, I've seen it um, infinity times. Oh, Laura ran. Infinity plus L- one, just in wan. case anybody's... <laughs> What's wanning? Well, I am a bit wan because it's so dark, you <laughs> like, know, there's not, not a lot of sunlight around. She's a pale salt. Oh, a bit like Gok one. No, no, no it's not. Okay. I, I don't go around <laughs> telling people to take their clothes off and be proud of themselves. Obi Wan, oh. <laughs> I'm a bit like him, more like him, I'd say. You're wearing a big cloak, just like him, actually, at the minute. We saw One. a film last night where Obi Wan's father was gay. It was good. 
one fellow was all pale and one, for he was vegetarian. <laughs> Which brings me to probably my favourite bit of the episode. In other words, the appearance of Bill Bailey, who is my favourite stand-up. He is excellent. I he- saw him before he was famous at the Edinburgh Festival, and I, he was brilliant. He was really good. Which you'd expect. Yeah. So really, there wasn't much point in me saying any of that. But. When I saw him live, I laughed so much that I really, really hurt myself inside. <laughs> he should put that on a poster. I laughed so much I hurt myself inside. When, when I saw him live, this is when he had a TV show. So before he was like a really big stand-up. Um, everybody was shouting in the encore for him to do the Doctor Who theme tune. Because mm. he used to do uh, a, a version called Dr. Key, mm. which was a Belgian jazz version. And it's oh, so yes. right. And he didn't do it. Oh, <laughs> it's so funny. Dear but I still liked him. Dear listeners, if you have a mo, do look at Dr. Key on YouTube because it's wonderfully funny. Il voyage He's dans basically, le TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> Une boîte de téléphone fantastique. Davros. <laughs> Demi Dalek et Demi on. <laughs> but the funniest thing of it is that he does this rendition of the original Hartnell Doctor Who thing as Belgian jazz and somehow makes it sound both like Belgian jazz and like the original Doctor Who thing. Genius. He, he is excellent. Mm. Uh, I would argue maybe underused in this episode or maybe he only had a day's filming or something mm. so they couldn't do a lot. Well, all three of them were underused. Slightly underused, weren't they? Arabella they were... Weir, very good. Other oh, bloke, very good. Mm. Not as good as Bill Bailey, but, you know, still good. Yeah, some good lines in there, though. And he's obviously mm. just a fan, is he? That he's sort of, can I be in it? Yeah, we've got a scene for you, that's fine. Will that work Don't with know, us? Can we, can we, Stephen Moffat, uh, yes. can we just talk to yeah. you for a second? Uh, <laughs> if you need four aliens who are a bit kind of waffly and weird. Shamble around a bit. Flap around a bit. Yeah, you know, I do the flapping. Bump go into off, things. Go off on <laughs> tangents. Yeah. Make... Make embarrassing analogies. Really good on audio. Yeah, if you need any of that, then... If I'll... you need any songs for the next Christmas special. Is this the first Christmas special without a song in it? It's not, is it? I no. I think it's End not. End of Time didn't have one. Did the Christmas Invasion have one? Yeah, it had the song for ten, song for ten no, no, at the end. Oh, right. Oh, yes, that's ah, right. Yeah, but the next the Doctor didn't have one either. No. Ah, well, Moff, I think it's time you reinstate the Christmas song, right? With Laura doing the vocals and the other three of us doing sort of backing something or other. Dancing. 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 <laughs> I could do dancing. Or play up to our strengths. Go for it. I would pay to see that. <laughs> I would be paid to be in that. Many people did pay to see Andrew dancing at the Ucast Live. Yeah, I want to see true. what it looked like because I've no idea what I did. Um, It was kind of emotional what you did. <laughs> So, Christmas special yes. then. Overall, I liked it, but I wasn't a huge fan of it. I would say it's a special of three parts. There was, well, there were four parts if you take the cold open. But there was basically the bit in Uncle Digby's, the kind of real exciting invention, different rooms that was just a delight. And then the bit at the end with the ponds I thought was beautiful. And then the bit in the middle, it wasn't bad, but it didn't sparkle in the way that other scripts by Moffat have. And so even though I really enjoyed it and it's Doctor Who and I'll always love it, it's never going to be one that I reach for and watch sort of off the Blu-ray box a lot. Mm. See, I'm, I might because it, it sort of has that... 
I think it kind of captured a bit a, a bit more of the Christmas spirit than some others have in the past. Sure. And and I liked the way that it resolved. And in a way, you're right that the bit in the forest had a... It was a bit more... Not lacklustre, but it was missing something of the sparkle that was happening in the house. Yes. Um, but the way it resolved, I think, to me, makes that a bit like, you know, a reasonable means to an end. Yeah, I didn't it's... not enjoy it at all, but I... I I just I yeah. didn't find it it was quite as sometimes with the Moffat script and certainly I've just I mean where we're recording this now we saw the Sherlock episode last night that actually knocked me sideways with its wit with its intelligence mm. with its pacing and I I didn't get that from this Christmas special. Excuse me, could you get off this rooftop, please? I've got a case to solve. Blimey! And I thought I was rude. Do you know who I am? I know everything it's possible to know about you. Now out of my way, I've lost my hobbit. Oh, everything about me, you say? I highly doubt that. I'm more than a tad mysterious, you know. I'm the eternal wanderer, the lonely god, the oncoming... Storm, yes, I know. You're also over a thousand years old, part of an ancient alien race, have two hearts, a respiratory bypass system, live in a blue box that serves as your transportation and are a traveller in time and space. Well, lucky guess. Not a bit of it. Deduction. Or perhaps some minor form of telepathy. A latent psychic ability activated by the TARDIS's presence in the near vicinity, I would guess. I simply use my eyes, man. We all carry around telltale signs as to our identity. I simply observe the facts and, as I say, make deductions. I can also tell that your friends with Winston Churchill hate burnt toast and bus stations, once owned an extremely long scarf, and think that bow tie looks cool. Wow. It doesn't. How do you do that? It's really very good. Simple. Your bearing and general disposition suggests a man entirely at peace with his surroundings. A bearing like that indicates nothing could surprise you. You've seen everything. There's simply no time to gain that sort of experience experience in a normal human lifespan and yet you still appear curious excited by life indicating to me that you aren't so ancient to have lost interest in the lives that surround you i estimated around a thousand years as i'm pretty sure you've lost count yourself no i haven't i think you have such longevity must indicate an extraterrestrial nature as nothing on earth lives that long apart from trees yes the great basin bristlecone pine can live for millennia but you're not tall enough And you don't have leaves. I could have leaves. And yet you don't. You clutch both sides of your chest when you're overexerting yourself, indicating a dual circulatory system, and your breath doesn't steam in the winter air, leading me to deduce you are able to bypass ordinary respiration when you want to. After that, it was a simple matter to make my other deductions. There's a smudge of blue paint on your sleeve, the exact shade of that blue box down there on the other side of the street. The box wasn't there earlier, and there are no tyre marks in the street from any kind of lorry, so it must have moved there under its own power. I assume it's also dimensionally transcendental. That means it's bigger on the inside. I know what it means. I live in it. Ah, so it is bigger on the inside. That was a guess. Thank you for confirming it for me. I'm not really used to this, you know. I tend to be the brilliant one. In fact, you remind me of me. No, I'm an entirely different character. But to conclude my deductions, I remember seeing a picture of you in the war rooms at Westminster. The picture was from 1943. You haven't aged a day, hence Churchill, hence time travel. Furthermore, you went out of your way to kick that bit of burnt toast across the road earlier, and when you hit that bus station, you shouted hooray, like you really hated it. Add to that your copy of Really Long Scarves Monthly and the smug expression you pull every time you touch that boat tie of yours and I'd call that check and mate wouldn't you? Astounding it's almost unbelievable 
Did you really get all of that from my appearance? Well, I also read it all on that bit of paper sticking out of your top pocket. The psychic paper. Isn't that, well, cheating? No, that's still observation. It still counts. Okay, gotta go. Bye! No! He threw himself off the building! What a waste! No one could survive! That? What? He's getting up! Walking away! How did he do that? Wait! Oh, I get it! Yeah! We've all used the test selector to fake our own death, buddy! Get your own plot twist! Yeah, that's right! You keep walking! things one if they <laughs> if they put some ents in it to go whom whom that would have been really great two i found it very amusing that there would have been two or three actors employed just to go <laughs> into the microphones for hours and hours we could have the, done that yes i thought that was down. good but also oi he matey Stop Stop with the whole, it wasn't very witty and emotional, because there are all sorts of lines with plenty of emotional punch, like the, I don't think anybody should want to be alone at this point. If it was witty, why didn't they do the wooden go pun? <laughs> hey, also... look, a car made of trees. <laughs> it wouldn't go. <laughs> it didn't go. <laughs> there was a point, though, there was a point when, they were leading, when he was leading um, the girl, Lily, through the forest, where him repeatedly saying to her, for goodness sake, pay attention, started to get a little bit... Patronising? Patronising and quite rude, actually. Because she's in a a world she had no idea about. Absolutely no idea. And he's actually quite short with her. It's one of those exciting episodes, isn't it, where the Doctor puts everyone in danger. And okay, he rescues everyone, but they wouldn't have been in danger in the first Mm, place. I rather like the fact that if if they opened the Prezi on Christmas Day... They'd have walked into a, a disintegrated world <laughs> of tree mulch. Oh, Doctor, you shouldn't have. <laughs> oh, I can't feel my legs. You don't have any legs. Oh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, well, I never liked those shoes. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah. So probably best. Best Christmas ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I don't want to be too negative because, of course, there were some absolutely amazing bits. And, and for me, as I say, it was the beginning and the end, which more than made up for all the rest of it. As far as I was concerned, I loved all the inventions mm-hmm. that the Doctor yeah. had, had augmented <laughs> the house with. It felt very much, it felt a bit kind of far away tree-esque. Or, mm. Mm. A bit Willy Wonka with the yeah, lemonade Willy Wonka is yeah, a much better... Uh, analogy yeah with all these kind of slightly fantastical things i thought that was beautiful and matt smith being this wonderful caretaker taking us around it or i mean he was a very wonka like figure actually in this mm-hmm. i like the way that he is seeing the world through child's eyes isn't he and i think that he's inspired by the idea of christmas being wonderful and magical for a child and so he's like oh that's a uh, that's a cooker probably but this this is hot and cold and lemonade and this mm. this is a hammock Come with me and you'll find I've replaced your beds with tiny hammocks. That one. See, you could have done that as the song. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, well. Anyway, I've got a bone to pick Ooh. with the moth and the BBC and Doctor Who. We about want him that. to get us into next year's Christmas special, remember? So don't yeah. be too. I don't care. This oh. needs to be said. He said a sitting room is pointless without a television. 
How wrong can you be? As long as it has a piano forte for the family to gather around and carol merrily together, it's perfect. I disagree. Mm, and a fireplace. Too. Because then you wouldn't be able to watch the Doctor Who Christmas special. Magic can happen even without a television. I tried watching Doctor Who on a piano. It was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it on a laptop, actually, um, on Boxing Day. So there you go. See? How, ver- how very you modern of you. see it on Christmas Day. No, because Right, I was... out the Ucast. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I couldn't because the family didn't want to watch it, and so that's not an excuse. <laughs> None of our family wanted. We made them leave. <laughs> I, I forced my parents to record it, and then I sat down with them to watch it. Did they like it? Yes. They, well, my dad fell asleep, but he falls asleep as soon as you turn a TV on because he's just like that. Good he's to getting, know. He's getting old. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a very useful <laughs> device. Now, if you play the piano at him, that would never have happened. He would probably ah, leave. Loss is actually right. <laughs> it depends what it you're playing. I thought that it was a great post-Christmas meal type piece of telly that was also mm. Doctor Who. You know, do you know what I mean? Like it was... Everybody's tripping out on their turkey, so they're just about in the right frame of mind yeah. to think that little snotty silver balls can grow to, off trees. Yeah. To blubber over their Christmas pudding. It was joyous, it was emotional, it was celebratory at the end. It was a very Christmas piece of telly. I liked it more the second time I watched it, I have to say. Mm. I, it's not an embarrassing bit of TV by any stretch of the imagination. There's some brilliant bits in it. I quite liked starting off, because last year they took the mickey out of Star Trek right at the beginning, and mm-hmm. this year they took the mickey out of Star Wars <laughs> because that first shot is is the, the famous first shot from episode mm-hmm. four Indeed. with mm-hmm. the uh, the destroyer coming over the camera. But I don't think they quite had the budget and, for and, it. And the I rid- feel like... The ridiculous walker. Yes, That's that very... moved like an at Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. thought that was brilliant. It was a bit like being on Endor, but with Willow the Wisp. <laughs> I thought that the inside of the tree spaceship thing, right at the top, yeah, the bit that flew, yeah, yeah, when they come into it, I thought it looked exactly like the lighthouse set from Horror of Fang Rock from the beginning of season 15 with Tom Baker. Do you know what lighthouses look like? A bit like that. That was Epcot on a stick, basically. So, everyone, mothers. In Doctor Who, since it came back Mm. in 2005, we've had Rose's mother, who was annoying and stupid, We've had um, Martha's mother, who was kind of an ice uh, uh, queen. Yeah, and a bit annoying. And, and a bit annoying. <laughs> uh, then we had Donna's mum, who yeah. was annoying, annoying and and kind of wasn't really whiny. Was just, yeah, whiny and nagging, yeah, a bit smothering. Yeah, and then <clears throat> we have had Amy's mother, who has been wiped from history. For, <laughs> and there's like one shot of her at the wedding and she doesn't get to say anything or maybe we've, says one thing. We've had George's mother, who, who appears at the beginning and the end of the episode, goes to work, so he's not involved yeah. at all. And we've had some amazing dads and, and grandfather figures, but we haven't had a strong, amazing, wonderful mother figure before. And I think this is put right in mm. spades mm. in this episode, yeah, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, yeah. She totally. brings a gun. That's I, that's what I love about her. She doesn't. Oh yes, mysterious alien planet. Do I just go in? No, I go and get a gun because there's a war on. Fantastic. I do like I, it, when she pulls out the gun. It did make me wonder whether or not their systems were confused by the wool. <laughs> yeah, I love yes. that line. Please tell me we can tell the difference between sidearms and wool. <laughs> Time travel and cardigans. <laughs> I like the fact that um, the Moffat's, the Moff sets it up at the beginning when she's driving the car and she's always bumping into things, you know, like, mm. you're like, oh, no, we're embarrassing, it's a woman driver's joke. And then she turns into this great heroine who saves 
an entire forest and her husband. But I think it's not intended, actually, I don't think, as a... Or, or as sort of a red herring, kind of to make people start thinking, oh no, it's a, it's a comment on women drivers. Oh no, I think it's actually more of the kind of spirit that was present in Britain that maybe isn't yeah. now. It's sort of, well, I need to help this person. The, I can do that best by driving a car. Can't drive a car, but I'll try because mm. it'll help them. Mm-hmm, and I think it's more, yeah, I think that was an even bigger. We should do our best kind of spirit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And do we think it was laid on too thickly? Like, only a mother can do this. A mother's love will bring us home. I mean, I cried like a baby. So Mm. I obviously entered into the spirit of it. I think it was perfectly pitched for the time it was broadcast. And to the audience that it's intended for. Mm. Which isn't us. I I didn't have a problem with it at all. Because I think from the point of view of the trees, they are an ecosystem with a biology and makeup and all that kind of malarkey entirely different from human beings. And they would probably see the uh, life force as coming down the feminine side of the natural world in a much stronger way than humans do. I like the fact that when she was receiving all the twinkly stars, she made the same kind of noises that my mum makes when she when has she, a nice... When she receives twinkly stars. Well, when she has a nice cup of tea and a foot rub, actually. So, <laughs> oh, that's, that's very... Isn't this marvellous? That sort of thing. You can't imagine your head full of a forest and then suddenly you can. <laughs> I also thought that the way that she met her husband was totally creepy. It was a bit, yes. But that was just to set up the... I followed you home yes. again. Do you think Stephen Moffat can only talk about happiness through death? Ooh. Because it was the way he he kind of the way the point the whole point of the Christmas story last year was and it's sort of the same place it filters through this time as well. And it goes back to the line where Madge is explaining um why she's so cross or unhappy at the beginning and mm. he says and he understands completely yeah. and says well <clears throat> what's the point of ha- them being happy now if they're going to be sad later the answer is of course because they will be sad later and it breaks your heart do you think it's something he intentionally does i would agree with you i think there's a lot of examples of that the way that the doctor can only express himself about river sort of after her her seeming death mm. in Forest of the Dead as well. But then there's that amazing coda with the ponds where he is, where love is shown. It's it's quite a West Wing moment. There's an amazing bit in the end of the second season of the West Wing where they say, where someone, I think it's Leo, says, you can tell when he makes up his mind about something because he puts his hands in his pocket. That's when he makes up his mind, the president makes mm. up his mind. and And he doesn't have to go back and say, look, it's a tear of happiness. Remember earlier on how he said, I can no longer cry tears of happiness. He just mm. wipes it away and closes the door. And that, that perfect, that little gesture encapsulates all of it. So, no, I don't think it's always about death. I think sometimes it could be about he, just his writing celebrates life. Mm, yeah. And that coda yes. does that in such a brilliant way. Just that scene was worth it. Worth, that, was, mm. that made my Christmas, mm. <laughs> you know, mm. it was beautiful. Oh, I thought it was the ticket to the Doctor Who convention I got you. That's true. I am going to the Doctor <laughs> Who convention on Saturday. So see everyone there. It's only me out of the four of us. Well, you will have seen everyone there by the time they hear this. Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
with 30. <coughs> Who's there? Oh, <laughs> it's you, Sarge. What are you doing here so early? Routine inspection, Private Bailey. Just carry on. If you say so, Sarge. Pretend I'm not here. Bit difficult in a two-metre square sleeping cubicle, Sarge, but I'll try. Good man. Now, morning routine, please, soldier. On the double. Yes, Sarge. Private. Yes, What are you doing? Washing the poop, soldier. With that? Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's registering as some kind of plastic explosive. I think you'd better stop. Yes, Sarge. Want to carry on with the rest of the routine? If you would. Right. What are you doing? Getting dressed. I can see that, but what do you need plasma grenades for? What plasma grenades? The ones you're holding. They're socks, Sarge. Well, just put them down and back away. Good. Now, get dressed. Yes, Sarge. Still pretending you're not here, Sarge. Shut up and put down your weapon. What? It's a scarf. I said put it down. And don't even think of reaching for those sidearms. What sidearms? On the bed. The standard issue mittens? They're a threat and you know I don't like threats. Alright Sarge, I guess I'll just head out like this then. Halt. Something's not quite right. That. What's that? It's a woolly hat Sarge. Leave it. But Sarge, it's winter. Don't make me shoot you son. I like it where he gets annoyed with a sonic screwdriver saying, You can't do wood. I knew something like I, I knew something like this was always going to happen. He's yeah. like having a go at the sonic. Aliens <laughs> made of wood. It had to happen sometime. <laughs> yes. You know when he said every rose has its thorns? Yeah. I think he should have said every rose has its jackets. <laughs> mm. I also like the brief mention of the forest of Cheem. Mm-hmm. Um and the idea that an entire ecosystem could be contained within one person or vessel. I love the, w- the way different ways <laughs> that the Doctor, as his ch- personality changes, deals with that sort of thing. Because the Ninth Doctor, the Forest of Chains, the Ninth Doctor, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just kind of brushes it off almost and is a bit kind of he's quite growly. But he's flattered, but he's yeah. kind of quite cool about it. Mm. Whereas the Ninth Doctor is like, she fancied me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny. The difference about how he deals with those sort of stuff. I think the 11th Doctor's a big kid. I'm a huge fan. He's an old soul, isn't he? Mm. I also wanted to say I really like the design of the wooden people. Um, I thought Mm. that I could very, very easily have those standing in my garden. It kind of reminded me... Has anybody read um, Green No? No. No? No? That's a girl. The Children of Green No? No? Okay. Well, it talks about these large wooden statues out in the garden and how some of them are sort of like the protectors of the place and others of them are a bit evil and weird. In fact, St. Christopher is the one who saves them, my love. There you go. Um, But I thought that the Queen and the King in this were both beautifully carved and the CGI used to make them animate was excellent. definitely. And they can be seen at the Doctor Who experience now. We have to go again, folks. Oh, no, there's new stuff there. What a shame. We have to go again. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty bad. I'll get a proper picture of K9 this time. Maybe they should just sell (laughs) top-ups on top of existing ticket stubs. We've added £4.50 more experience (laughs) now. (laughs) There should be an app on your Oyster card so you can do that. People who don't live in London won't get that reference at all. Good point. Because people outside London don't understand Oyster cards. So what did we think about the casting? Well, I really enjoyed the plethora of comedians that we had appearing in 
this year's <laughs> Christmas special. It's always nice to see a funny face playing it straight or the other way round. And a straight face playing it funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We saw Mr. Smith's face. Yeah. I need you. <laughs> As in father. Yes. yes. Alexander Armstrong. Isn't he good? Red, yes. Now, I'm, I feel stupid and abashed for asking, but the third of the Androsani Major Harvester chappies, the chap who cried, do we know him from something else? I feel I should. He's been in a lot of other stuff, yeah. but I can't remember anything off the top of my head. No, me neither. Now, Andy, you really, really disliked the two child actors, but I thought that they were actually quite good. I wouldn't say disliked, but they didn't Hated. shine. You no. did use the word hate quite a lot. Oh, dear. I didn't feel <laughs> that they they shined like the, the, the little boy did in last year's Christmas special. He was brilliant. But mate. is that not because they had more of an opportunity to shine rather than... Well, I think a lot of the time they were just walking through the forest and going, ooh, what's that? Whereas last year, the little boy but had that's a what load I mean. more of character development in, and stuff. In, in this me. one, they were more of a kind of a, almost like a plot device yeah. rather than a really useful character. Exactly. I thought that the girl in particular was good and sort of spunky mm. and occasionally came across as being like a little adult. It Just her facial expressions were very adult. Maybe she was just an adult actress that they always shot very far away. <laughs> Possibly. She is actually a lot older than the character. Yes, isn't that, it always, always the case? That's always the case. Mm. But the, the boy, Dawson's I thought, Creek effect, as I like to think of it, yeah. <laughs> or the Glee effect. The boy, I thought, was okay. I found him very cute with his massively Magnif- enlarged jam jar glasses, magnified, yeah. with his massively magnified eyeballs. <laughs> but I did think that there were moments of truly cloying, syrupy child acting, like the "No, we'll wait for Mummy. Mummy always comes." Which was a bit cod. Or the, but the, again, I think the that's repeated, the, that's Are the you writing? saying Daddy's dead? Is, yeah. is that what you're saying? Is da- his father dead? Is he not coming home then if he's dead? <laughs> Why isn't he coming? Is he dead? <laughs> I'll tell you who I feel sorry for. The airman in the back of that plane that's <laughs> now know. not going to get any attention because they like, just went in... Yeah. <laughs> just went in for Christmas. Hi, He's honey, just I'm dying home. in the back of the bomber. <laughs> what, a, what about thingamabob in the back? Oh! What is Father doing out there, Cyril? Agriculture, I expect. There's no such word. There is too. It means growing things and mowing lawns and all that. Yeah, right. What were you up to last night? You sneaked off very early. Were you looking at the sky again? It's called astronomy. Do you have to keep on making up words? I'm not making anything up. You are. I don't believe anything you've just said. All right, so if I said that um, Mr Goldsmith at number 17 was a taxidermist, what would you think? I'd like to think that taxis don't have skin, so you're lying again. (sighs) And, And what would I be doing if I was perambulating along a promenade? I've really no idea. Something to do with a baby. But you ought to wash your mouth out. I could report you as a German spy. What for? I'm just articulating the essence of my dialectical point. And besides, all the words I've been using are regular English words. Except for maybe taxidermist. That has mainly a Greek origin. Taxis meaning arrangement, which is from the word tassin or arrange. And derma meaning skin. And it hasn't become overly corrupted through its thousands of years of usage. You're just gibbering now. Okay, I'll show you what I mean. How are you going to do that? With this. 
a bent stick. It's not just a stick. Grandfather brought it home from one of our colonial possessions years ago. What is it then? A boomerang. A product of many generations of Aboriginal cerebral sharing and some nifty whittling. And how exactly do you think it will prove your point? Look! Aha! Uh-huh. You've thrown it away. Well done. Hold fast. It will take a few subdivisions of time. Right. Now, lower your bodily position. What? Descend. Speedily. What? Prostrate yourself. I don't understand. Become horizontal. How? I don't understand. Oh, never mind. Duck! I did furnish you with adequate warning. Oh, shut up, you little smart-ass. Two of you went to write this down, but haven't said anything about it. Ooh. The most British thing they could have possibly said in the acid rain scene. Stay inside, the rain is frightful. Yes. (laughs) I thought that was marvellously British. Marvellously British, British, yeah. And indeed, Doctor Who is marvellously British. So what did we think? Any last words on this most marvellously British of Christmas specials? I thought it it was Narnia meets Horror Fang Rock meets uh, Doctor Who meets really good Christmas telly. I thought it was very, very good. I thought it was nice and Christmassy. It was very warm and, 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 yeah, just funny, sad, funny. Yeah, nice and the kids were good. I think I didn't like the fact that he used four different types of lights on his articulated Christmas tree, which got him at least a four on my tacky on my tachometer. Your tachy on not tachometer. my t- my tachy on tachometer, <laughs> which uh, is, on, on a scale of five, with five being. Bleh, that was at least a 3.5 or a 4. But overall, I thought it was lovely, wintry, festivally, yuli fun. And for me, as I say, I didn't think that it was Moffat's best, but still, it was Stephen Moffat, and so therefore better than 90% of all TV ever, especially the Christmas schedules. So, hooray! Uh, that is finally wrapping up all the Doctor Who that has been recorded for about another nine months. It's very sad. We had to catch up sometime. We did. So until the next time, whenever that is, <laughs> um, this is this is Andy saying goodbye. This is Chris Alpha saying goodbye. This is Laura saying toodle pip. And goodbye to all. And to all, a good night. You light the skies right beside him A star so bright you guide him Here comes the plane
children cry, there is happiness too. The haiku for the wedding of River Song. He is beaten, but withdrawing into himself, still wins, travels on. And the haiku for the doctor, the widow and the wardrobe. Nature needs saving, only mothers need apply, family comes first. <laughs> 